You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Last night's huge events in terms of the European Super League and the 12 clubs that have decided to go off and play in this Super League and basically leave football fans behind because they've just shown that they absolutely don't care about them. And in my opinion, I think this is a great opportunity for football fans in Ireland who maybe not necessarily follow an Irish club, but, you know, obviously have support Premier League. Premier League through the years or whatever. I think this is a chance for Irish clubs to kind of show that the fans mean more to them than the, I suppose, Premier League clubs and, and those clubs in the European Super League have shown. But I do also think it's a chance for, <clears throat> if people do decide to come along and start supporting the League of Ireland, we can't have fans of the League of Ireland then start being snobby towards them and being like, oh, you know, oh, he's just going to come in now. Like, we should be just accepting that fact that if we are going to get fans in, we need to just accept them as they are. They're going to start supporting the clubs from, from here on in. And uh, we should be welcoming them with open arms, in my opinion. What do you feel? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I mean, anybody is welcome to come to our games. And I, 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 I think, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Paul, and there is a small element to say that you've been supporting the league all the time and now you're discovering bows or discovering paths at, in your 20s or 30s or whatever it is. But... Anybody is welcome to come to our games. We need we need lots of fans. God, we need any fans back at the moment, but we need, hopefully, when we get this vaccine, we'll have fans back at games soon. And and the more the merrier, the more new fans we can attract, the better it's going to make our league. And just we're missing them so much. Um, yeah, I, I think this Super League is a horrible idea. I hate to see it. In some ways, I'd say it probably won't affect me too much and that it won't affect our league. I don't see Shamrock Rovers running off to be invited or even to join it. Uh, I would have a concern because it is, as you said, it's based it's based on greed and it's based on more money and a bigger slice of the pie. Now, the one caveat I have and the one concern I have is at the moment, European football is huge for our clubs. Our champions can make, probably Shamrock Rovers are going to make at least a million euro from the Champions League this season, potentially even more. If they can win their first round game, they could end up with a minimum of eight games and a great chance of getting group stage football. That's huge for them. Our clubs in the the European Conference will probably each get at least, probably make a quarter of a million, possibly more. Just every round is worth so much money. Now, it's worth this money because UEFA sell the rights to the Champions League and they make so much money off this. If these clubs do get their way and they leave, all that money's gone. It's not going to be spread between the 55 member associations of Europe. It's going to be spread between the 12, 15, 20 clubs, whatever clubs end up in this league. So it is an absolutely crucial time for for football in Europe and worldwide that uh, this really has to fail. And it's not just about those clubs. It's about it's not just about our clubs, it's about the FAI as well. It's about our national association because there's so much of the UEFA money, uh, the TV rights, it all it all comes back to the national associations. I think it's something like 10 million a year the FAI get 
from the share of the TV pool. And that goes to other smaller national associations, because we are one of the small ones, let's be frank, we're a small country and uh, we're not a big TV market or anything like that. So it's bad news in many ways. The place it could be good news for us is maybe people will wake up and see that Liverpool are not the people's club. And I think people are deluded. At, I don't, well, I don't think people can be deluded anymore. I mean, this is being looked at. If this Super League does take off, it's not going to be Liverpool playing at Anfield against Real Madrid. It'll be Liverpool playing in Riyadh, in Abu Dhabi, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, in the United States. There's going to be so. I mean, uh, there's going to be so many of these games played around the world. Uh, they're not going to be played at Anfield. They're not going to be played at, at um, the Emirates or the Tottenham Stadium or the Bernabeu or the, the Camp Nou. They're going to be. So, uh, some of this came out of La Liga not allowing the games to be played in the USA, the 39th game in the Premier League not happening. And uh, and this is where the fans are, 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 the fans that are being targeted. So a lot of these clubs aren't as concerned about the local fans in Liverpool. They probably feel they'll get them back or the, the, the local Man United fans. It's, it's the Asian market. It's the American market. And uh, I'll tell a small anecdote. And uh, it was, I, w- I was on holidays in the States uh, in 2016. And Bayern Munich, I think it was Bayern Munich and Real Madrid were playing. There was a massive friendly on in New York at the same time. And uh, I was there with my kids and I was looking and said, geez, whoa, what a chance. Then I looked and the cheapest ticket I could get was something like 70 or $80. And then there was tax and all on top of that. And then you couldn't even buy the cheap tickets. And I would have been bringing the kids and everything. I said, why bother? You know, and it would be just a soulless game. And I mean, uh, that's what I would think will happen to a lot of these. Now, the game was still played in front of a full house, like 70,000 people in the giant stadium. But it's not it's not real football. It's not like Real Madrid going to Anfield in front of 50,000 screaming. The, you know, the, the atmosphere you'll get at Anfield, the atmosphere on the big European nights, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get that in Los Angeles or in Singapore or in China. Okay, you're going to get your full houses, but it's more consumers... Uh, they'll buy maybe more replica shorts and all this, and it, you'll you'll have your paper pay-per-view TV. But I think anyway, from our perspective, more clubs, it's a massive opportunity to connect with local fans and and to get back to see what local football is doing. And, and I mean, take Bowes. I think Bowes have been the classic example. They've done a fantastic job in recent years of effectively reinventing their club. They've become the, the people's club. They've, they've got uh, loads of new members, loads of people who wouldn't have gone to League of Ireland before. They've signed up. They've become Bose members, become Bose supporters. Unfortunately, they can't go at the moment, but hopefully they'll be back soon. And they've seen a massive transformation in this club and, and hats off to them. It's been fantastic. So uh, it is an opportunity for the league. I would be concerned about the European money, though, if this dis- if this does come off. Yeah, but I do like b- besides the European stuff. 
I do think that this is a massive opportunity for clubs to have initiatives and stuff like that. Obviously, it, it's not helping at the moment that the fact that we can't have fans, but I think now is the time to start trying and, and getting fans back as soon as possible. And then as soon as we can get fans back at the, into grounds, then start letting these people come in and just let them try it out. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, they can't allow free access to games and stuff like that, and I obviously wouldn't expect them to do that. But what I'm saying is, you know, I look at people online, they always say, oh, you know, all these people who support the Premier League and all, and uh, why don't they support Liverpool? You can't force it upon people. But now is a good opportunity to approach it in a way in which welcome these people who may not have supported the League of Order, may have laughed at it in the past. It doesn't matter if they've laughed at it in the past. Now is the time to start getting them in and supporting because we need to grow our own league. And it's real football, as in there's passion, there's, you know, fans who actually absolutely love club love the clubs and then you have as well like the, the clubs love the fans it's not like you're say i know i'm gonna say liverpool man united and stuff like that because gary neville name checked them but like they've shown that they don't care about their fans but the thing is a club in ireland would give anything to have those people as fans even if they're just i don't want to use the term blow-ins but even if they were just kind of coming in and just starting to, to become fans or whatever. Who cares? Even if they start becoming glory hunters following Shamrock Rovers because they're winning stuff. Who cares? As long as they're coming into grounds, they're paying money and they're giving back to Irish football and it's helping Irish football grow. It's only going to help Irish football. Do you know what I mean? And I think this is a huge opportunity because we've looked at, um, I suppose, through the, the last 20 to 30 years, they've always been the Sky Sports, the, you know, the games on TV and stuff like that. And people just wouldn't go to live games. Now is your opportunity, as soon as fans are back, to start going to live games and just get a taste of it. Okay, at least if you don't like it, just try it once. Try go and just see if you like it and maybe grab a couple of your friends or maybe uh, your friends and their kids and they all mingle together and go to the games. Because that's how I grew up going to the games. That's when I used to, I, My dad used to take us to Talk Park and all the away games. And I remember I'd have my brother, my cousin, uh, all of our friends as well. We would all be at the games. And we'd be going down even at halftime at the, UC, at the UCD ball. Or even throughout the game at the UCD ball. We were actually playing football at the side of the pitch and stuff like that. We were having our own little matches. And it was some of the best days of our lives. And then obviously growing up with Shells. Obviously you mentioned Europe earlier on when Shells were playing Hadrick Split and stuff like that. We had some great days out. And there's still some of the best days of my life from my childhood as going to League of Ireland games every single Friday night. So I think this is a huge opportunity if people can start getting behind this and, um, I don't know, maybe the FAI and the league and, and the clubs in the league can start getting behind it. I've seen Bowes already trying to attract uh, f fans from other clubs and stuff like that. Not other clubs in Ireland, other clubs of, say, Premier League clubs that are, you know, but even on our Instagram, I put up a post last night and, you know, the, the post is blown up. And there's people from all different clubs and they were also commenting and tagging clubs. And I know some of them don't follow League of Ireland, but they were saying, I'm following this club, that club. Now, hopefully they follow through with that. I can't say that they will or they won't, but hopefully they do follow through with that. And then it's just kind of going from there. And I've seen people from, there was a American guy, I can't remember his name now, but if he's watching, I hope, <laughs> fair play to uh, He's a Galway fan now. And I think he was looking, he was asking, how, how, how could we watch... Go well. I was like, check out LOITV.ie and you can get a season's pass or you can watch the games that way. And he was like, oh my God, I didn't know that and stuff like that. So it's about just spreading that awareness 
and letting people know that there is stuff out there. There was, I think, someone said he was a Man United fan. He's after purchasing a a Watch LOI subscription again. This could all, they could be just saying it, to, but it doesn't really matter. When I saw, it, I was like, that's that's exactly it. We don't need to move on from this and start getting people, um, you know, getting Watch LOI and so on. And obviously, then once we can start getting fans back into games, we need to start and we need to capitalize on this more than ever. Yeah, we, we need fans back. We we need fans back soon, Paul. I, I, I love the fact that Leinster Rugby are trying to do a trial initiative in, in the RDS next month. And I'd be by no means a fan of Leinster Rugby. But um, it's great they're doing it. I hope the, some League of Ireland clubs can follow suit on it. I, I was really disappointed to read in today's paper that Poland are basically moving their training camp to elsewhere. Uh, it looks like the Euros is definitely dead for Dublin. I think that's a massive opportunity lost for this country. And I think it's sad the government don't seem to care. Now, I appreciate, look, I, I appreciate how bad things are with this virus and everything, but things are getting better. And uh, I think they could do more with outdoor activities, particularly given the stats that is it one in a thousand cases are caused by outdoor transmission. I, I think we've been incredibly conservative with letting fans into games with outdoor activities, even letting kids back playing sports outdoors. They can sit in the classroom together and they can't play sport together. Anyway, let's go on that one. Uh, but we really do need fans back. And the other thing is, the League of Ireland is massive entertainment. For 15 or 20 euro on a Friday night, you, you can go out, you can watch a live game the quality is really good and the atmosphere is fantastic and you can go and have a pint or whatever you want to do. You can bring the kids and uh, it really is a great entertainment and hopefully we can all get back to big crowds soon for that. And I think it is a massive opportunity uh, for the clubs here because if your Real Madrid's and your Barcelona's and your Liverpool's and your Manchester United's are off playing in Abu Dhabi and, and Los Angeles, there is a fantastic opportunity for people to look locally and see you've got domestic football right on your doorstep. The games are easily accessible. Tallis on the Lewis, Daily Mount's on the Lewis, Pat's Richmond Park is on the Lewis. It's very easy to get to Talca. They're all here in Dublin. There's loads of opportunities. You've clubs around the country, um, Eamon DC Park and Galway, fantastic facility. The Markets Field in Limerick, Turner's Cross, brilliant stadium. Uh, so you've got wherever you are in the country, you've got opportunities to watch good quality live football and. Uh, there's a real opportunity when fans are back for clubs to capitalise on this. Yeah, no, I think I think we've pretty much covered it there. and You've hit the nail on the head on a lot of points there. So we'll move on to the actual football from the weekend. And I suppose we'll kick things off. The early kickoff of Friday, Jair was at this one. It was Waterford, Neil Bowes won and Rob Cornwell got, as Jair described him, as the goal-scoring hero. He laughed that one off. He scored in the 44th minute. Um, it was a Tyreek Wilson free kick. And there was Cornwall there to tap home and give Bowes a big victory. Uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Waterford on Friday. There was a lot of talks of a bust-up between the assistant manager and Brian Murphy and Oscar Brennan and the fact that Oscar Brennan wasn't in the squad and Brian Murphy wasn't in the squad. It's all been squashed since. And um, there was... Uh, Statements and stuff released. Uh, Oscar Brown had a facial injury, and Brian Murphy had 
I think he had a little bit of a fall out with the management or something like that, but he said he hadn't left the club as people were saying he had left the club or whatever. But I think these things really get thrown, out, thrown way out of proportion because I'm sure at every football club there is bust-ups, you know, you're you're training every day with these people and stuff like that, and eventually tensions will rise and stuff like that. And look, it's football. These things happen, and people make it such an ordeal about it. But I think, uh, obviously... Bowes Bowes go six now, and it's got two huge games coming up. But like, I wasn't surprised when I seen the the scoreline, especially when you have someone like Murphy out, who's absolutely brilliant as well. But Bowes again, it's another victory for them, and they seem to be starting to get the season back on track. Yeah, so as you say, Paul, these dust ups they do happen. Normally, they don't see the light of day. Um, Maybe they see the light of day. Maybe they happen more and see the light of day more when teams are struggling because Waterford are struggling. Apart from that fantastic win at the Brandywell, it's been a it's been a difficult season, difficult start to the season for Waterford, and uh, that'll be a disappointing defeat for them. It seemed like only a week or so ago we were talking about Bowes struggling and making a poor start to the season, and since then they've gone to Oriel Park and beat Dundalk. They've gone down to the RSC and beat Waterford. So. Definitely, Keith Long has turned things around as we expected, and I did say it even when they were struggling. So I'm not. Uh, he he has done a superb job there. He has had to replace his squad virtually every year, and they lost the, the key, the crucial three front front three from last season. But uh, they do There are signs they've turned things around, as you say. A couple of crucial matches against the two Rovers, Sligo Rovers in Daly Mount. Uh, on Tuesday night, and then the absolute massive game in Tala against Shamrock Rovers on Friday. Um, tough games, and uh, it will be a real test because against two teams who are riding high at the top of the table, and uh, it will be very interesting to see how Bows do in both of those games. But they're also very, very tough games for Sligo and Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, but I think Bows are starting to get in a little bit of a rhythm. I think we'd we'd spoken about before. They kind of shot themselves in the foot with some games, especially the Finn Harps one earlier in the season. Like they gifted them a goal and never really recovered after that. And then it was kind of struggles. You know, I, I, I know they drew two two with Longford, but like I watched Longford against Ro- Shamrock Rovers the other night, and uh, they're a good side. They're a good counter attacking side, and they uh, they defend well. Good young energetic team. So uh, I could see actually how they conceded two goals to them. Uh, even after being 2 0 up. But I do think that Bowes have, as you say, a lot of new players coming in and they're starting maybe to gel now and stuff like that. I know Georgie Kelly's got off the mark with goals. Obviously, Tyreek Wilson played his part in that goal, albeit it was saved by the goalkeeper, but it's still a really good free kick. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll start getting a bit of into a bit of a groove now and, and you'll start seeing them picking up points. But these games are massive and Sligo are flying at the moment, as well as Sean McRovers in terms of the league position. I know we'll come to Shamrock Rovers and how they've actually been playing in the uh, later in the show, but I think yeah, for Bowes it's um, it's looking good for them now to kick on a little bit, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely, and I think they will be up there challenging up near the top of the table for for the rest of the season. But yeah, these two games are massive, and they will be very very interesting. Mm, and just on Waterford, then uh, because you know they never seem to be far from drama in terms of. The club, it always seems like everything gets thrown to the media, and it's like everything that should be kept behind closed doors isn't, and it's always out there. It, you know, it always seems to, that their uh, dirty laundry seems to be aired a lot. So, 
you know, I, I know someone like Kevin Sheedy who would be like to try and keep things private. He's probably not used to having all this kind of stuff out in the open and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I heard that he refused to speak about some things and walked off in the interview. That's what I read online. Um, so, like, I think for Kevin, obviously, he wants to just focus on football. I don't think he, he really likes speaking to media people anyway. I, I never really got that impression from even when he's done show with us. He seems quite reserved and quite shy. I think obviously he's very good in terms of from his football point of view, and I'm sure he's a brilliant coach on the coach, uh, on the field of play and stuff like that in training and obviously on the sideline. But I don't think speaking to the media is his strong point. So I'm not surprised by that, you know? Yeah, and it's uh, it's a tough one when there are obviously issues behind the scenes to have to come out and, and face the media and face the questioning, and particularly after a defeat and a defeat at home. And it has been uh, it has been a very disappointing... I, I did mention the fantastic win in the Brandywell, but otherwise it's been a very disappointing start to the season. They were maybe a bit unlucky in that they were beaten by late goals in Drogheda and in Ballybuffet, and uh, league table could look a lot different had they got held on for draws in, in both of those games. And, and particularly as probably Waterford, even at this stage, it looks like they're going to be involved in the relegation battle. Now, maybe at the start of the season with the budget they had, etc., they would have expected to be a bit higher. Uh, I, I know there's kind of uh, a lot of bad feeling down there on how they missed out in Europe. And uh, I, I think that's where their fans and their probably their board feel they belong, is challenging for the European spots. But I think if you're looking at the way things have gone so far, uh, they are going to be in a relegation battle. And, and the one thing about this this league, this Premier Division, it is very, very competitive. There are no easy games. There are no bad teams in it. And you need to be on your game or you'll get sucked into a relegation battle and you could be in, in big trouble and... At this point, it looks like Waterford are going to be in that relegation struggle. Yeah, and they, obviously they have a really tough game again tomorrow now against Pats as well in Richmond Park, which you know obviously they'll be travelling up for and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I look personally, having known Kevin Sheedy personally, I want to see him do well. I want and I like Waterford as a club. I like Waterford as you know as a team. Do you know what I mean? I've, I, I, like in terms of their fans and stuff like that, I've always got on very well. I'm in a Facebook group with Waterford fans and I, I do like what they're about. And I do like how they get behind their team, despite the struggles, despite all that. It's like, it's like Ireland. They always seems to be never far from drama, but like their fans, I always think are really good. And um, yeah, I just I, I just hope they don't, that they don't get relegated. Um, but this isn't the European Super League and someone has to get relegated, unfortunately. So... It is what it is. But uh, I suppose we'll take it over to Jerry because he spoke with Rob Cornwall and Keith Long. You can hear what they had to say here. This is the IFF TV podcast. Bohemians match winning hero Rob Cornwall joins us here on Irish Football Fan TV following their one of the victory away to Waterford tonight. Rob, second victory in a row. To feel a bit by bit, it's getting back to the Bohemians we've known for the last few years. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Heroes really a good show for me. I don't think I've ever got that. No, but uh, we're getting uh, a little bit there. We're starting to gel now. Obviously, there's 
think there's about forty percent of the team is new this year, so it's going to take a couple of games to get going. Um, obviously, the last couple of games we are starting to gel a little bit more. Two clean sheets, which is good. Obviously, I don't think we played particularly well tonight. Um, there's a lot to improve on, but yeah, delighted to. Uh, get a win on a goal a screamer yeah it's a Dickensy archives this morning obviously when's the last time you got a goal 2018 was the best of my research will I be correct in saying that <laughs> I, think keep... so, yeah. I think that's only my fourth goal and, uh, and I don't know how many games now but yeah more of a clean sheet man I think <laughs> yeah I suppose there's no really kind of point asking and talking through the goal because well, it still was kind of tapping into an empty net but the free kick from Tyreek I suppose you all know about it because he scored a cracker against you in Daymount last year it was a brilliant delivery or a brilliant uh, free kick in general mm. I should say yeah, now it kinda I knew when he was stepping up he was gonna hit the target or get close to it, so it was just up to myself or Georgie to uh, mop it up and I don't know who actually got it in the end but I'll claim it. <laughs> Overall in general, Frank felt that like with Waterford the way that they set up, they had kind of, you know, compacted that midfield, three at the back, they took you kinda of bit by bit to kinda of work your way into the game and yeah, I think at the start of the game, I think our intensity was a little bit low and it was a little bit frustrating. I don't know if that was the pitch. I don't like just blaming it the pitch. I think uh, I think we need to bring it from ourselves. Um, but yeah, I think they've done well. They, they sat in, they made it hard for us to play at times, especially when they had 10 men. I don't think we did ourselves any favours by moving the ball. But um, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't their best performance, but we'll take the win. And finally moving on, busy week ahead now, it's kind of the first double game week of the season. You've got Saiga Rovers at home on Tuesday night and then you've got the big one against Shamrock Rovers away on Friday. But I suppose they all mantle it one game at a time and first it's going to be all focused on that game on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think the, the main thing now is just recovery. Um, it's tough to play three games in a week. Obviously, a lot of lads will be going into games are still sore, still achy. Um, but yeah, so it's up to us now to sleep, eat, drink, everything well. Um, obviously, it's a big game against Sligo. They'll be fighting for the same spots as us, so it'll be a big one. I think you ticked it all off the box there with the recovery. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Rob. All right, nice one. Keith, second victory in a row, one nil again. Thoughts on the performance? Um, a little bit flat performance-wise tonight uh, from us. I thought we were uh, we weren't near the levels that we uh, produced up in Oriel tonight. Um, didn't pass the ball with, with fluency. Didn't move the ball around. Didn't move the opposition around enough. Uh, didn't create too many goal-scoring opportunities. Um, didn't get the ball into wide areas uh, enough. Didn't get people across uh, defenders in the box when we did get the ball into wide areas and we were in a position to cross it. So um, I thought I thought the performance levels were pr- probably down gears. There's no doubt about it. And we need to, um, you know, we're very pleased to, to come away and win. It's not easy to to win back to back away uh, from from home. We kept another clean sheet. That's a positive. James Talbot was very good again tonight, clean hands and good decision making. Uh, but overall, disappointed with how we played and, and we'll need to improve upon that certainly into next week. Would you be still very happy with your defensive side of the game? Because apart from an early header, a free header, which you wouldn't be too happy about for Kyle Ferguson in the second half, Warford never really looked like getting equalised and I kind of felt that you know, you're always going to kind of win the game because defensively you looked very solid. No, we were comfortable in the game, but my, my point is this, that we didn't move the opposition around enough, particularly in the second half when for a half an hour they were down to 10 players. So we didn't create overloads down the side. We didn't pass the ball around with any great fluency. Um, the pitch was a little bit sticky, but we're not, you know, we played on worse pitches than that. And, um, you know, we just need to be better in terms of possession, use the ball better, play forward quicker, um, play smarter in terms of in terms of how we want to build attacks, um, you know, position, angle for the ball quicker. And generally speaking, play forward, fast forward, attacking football. And we haven't been able to do that tonight, which is a little bit disappointing. You know, we the players know that. The players know they need to improve on that and that performance. But we'll take a win and... Um, 
you know, it, it certainly is, you know, on the back of, of going to Oriel Park last week and getting a, a real confidence-boosting win up, the, up there and a really good performance up in Oriel Park. Tonight felt a little bit that we were, we, you know, we were off the pace to a certain extent, but we were comfortable. There was never really a time where I felt we were in trouble. Um, but like I said, we, we probably need to be more creative, more incisive with our passing. Uh, decision making needs to be better. Our movement needs to be better uh, to, to open up the opportunities um, and create opportunities. After failing to win any of your opening three, that's now back-to-back victories at Luta, back-to-back clean sheets. Do you kind of feel now that you're up and running and definitely in terms of points and table, you're getting to kind of where you want to be in the standards you set over the last couple of years? Yeah, well, the table looks a little bit better for us, that, that, that's for sure. But... Um, yeah, and, and absolutely, there's no doubt two wins propels you up the table a little bit. So, uh, but but overall, five games in, I think I think there's lots to do, lots to improve upon, and 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 we we need to be, need to improve, we need to be better, we need to demand more from each other, um, and the boys are working hard. Like there's no doubt, there's no question how hard they work and how they how they prepare, how they train, um, they they give everything that they possibly can. So we just need to be better, and I, I believe we can get better. Uh, this is a group that can continue to grow, and and we can improve. And, and I've no doubt that there is that growth in the dressing room and we have the characters to, 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 to bring us on and, and hopefully uh, we can use this as a springboard maybe to kick into next week with uh, some, some uh, positive performances in, in two tough games against both Rovers. Last season, Andy Lyons and Tobreson not only just established themselves as regular fullbacks in your side but arguably some of the best in the league but we've seen two of the new boys Rory Feely and Tyreek Wilson come inside in fighting games really does underline you've got good strength and depth in the yeah. overall squad. Yes, we do, and we're lucky that to have Tyreek and Anto um, in that position, Andy and, and Rory, that can play at right full. Rory has been a good addition to us. He can play in a number of positions for us. Um, Andy, we precautionary, we left him at home tonight, so we've um, he's a little bit of a niggle uh, picked up at the end of the game against St. Pat's. Um, I had to bring him off last week against the Dogs. So we have quality, but we need to like we need to use that quality. We need to try and like I said play a little bit better than tonight. Let's call a spade a spade. Tonight was down gears. We're flat in terms of performance. Um, you know, we played better and lost this year, believe it or not. So uh, I know that would... Uh, but listen, it is what it is and we have to try and get on with it. It's great that we've got come away with the win. We've got another three points in the bag and we go into next week. We'll recover well tomorrow and get ourselves ready for the games against Sligo Rovers and Shamrock Rovers uh, on Tuesday and Friday. Keith, as always, thanks for your time okay. and safe travels. Cheers. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Okay, the Brandy well, Derry City won, Drogheda won, uh, goals from James Brown and uh, Ronan Boyce with the equaliser in the 40th minute. Um, I suppose this one at the moment is, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I, if you're looking at the start of the season, you probably would have said the two teams are in the opposite positions. But it's just the way the uh, league has started for Derry, I mean, they've got they've played five games. They've got one point at bottom of the league, and uh, they're not showing signs of getting out of that at the moment. I know. Look, they they were down to ten men quite early against Pats last week, and that didn't help that cause. But uh, they need to start. Excuse me. They need to start picking up points fast, or or they will be. You know cemented down near the bottom it's it's we spoke about waterford there and kind of how they're going at the moment but actually Derry are in a worse position in terms of just their results because I, I just don't see them picking up points 
at the moment and they've got good players and stuff like that but they need to they need to start getting some results before their confidence is totally drained out of that squad and obviously as time goes on the results mount like that Declan Devine's going to be in serious pressure uh, under serious pressure sorry and Drogheda I mean I look at them and Tim Clancy's done a brilliant job so far and I think that they will be there or thereabouts in terms of the mid-table I think I think they'll stay throughout there throughout the season because they've shown in games that they can battle with the big boys and that we've spoken so many times already in our League of Ireland shows so far about how they bought sensibly and that you know bringing in players of the experience maybe if you look at someone like Longford who didn't maybe bring in the players of the experience like Drogheda have and you can see Drogheda are reaping the rewards from it so far so uh yeah what do you think of the game anyway yeah, it was, a, it was a great point for Drogheda. Even though they were a, a goal ahead, I think they'll be delighted to get out of the Brandywell with a point. Uh, I'm not so sure I agree with you that they'll be stay more or less where they are, but I think they'll probably avoid relegation reasonably comfortably enough, uh, which I, I think ultimately, I mean, eighth position, they would have bitten your hand off of that at the start of the season. But as we've said before, Signing the likes of Dan Massey, Ronan Murray, etc. They've got some experienced, quality players in the league, and that's going to stand to them. And James Brown, who scored the goal from full back, has been a bit of a revelation. He's got a couple of assists as well already. I think he set up the own goal, wasn't it, against Waterford, and set up one of the other one of their other goals as well. So, um, yeah, Drogheda are doing incredibly well. Uh, tough one on Tuesday against Shamrock Rovers, but um, it'll be a tough one for Rovers as well. And uh, it is very worrying what's happening at the Brandywell. I mean, Declan Devine is under massive pressure. And it's sad for him because he is one of the nicest guys in, in League of Ireland football. But it needs to turn around very quickly because Derry have a big budget. And they definitely, we talked about Waterford, but even more so with Derry, they would definitely expect to be challenging for the European places and would expect to be playing in Europe. And it's not just this season's start. They had a very, very disappointing finish the last season. And they, they finished the season. They just had it gone on another few games. Who knows? They may have ended up in a relegation playoff or even got relegated. And that's simply not good enough. It won't be acceptable up there. And uh, the start to this season has been very disappointing. Losing to Longford, losing at home to Waterford. They're kind of the results, drawing with Drogheda. It's those results rather than the home defeat by Rovers or the defeat, the defeat away at the Pats that's really going to hurt them. And uh, Dundalk, Dundalk going to the Brandywell on Tuesday night. Well, it's a massive match for both clubs. Um, I'm sure if there is a winner, whoever wins it will get a great boost because uh, both teams could really, really do with the win in that game. But, um, yeah, Declan Devine is, has got to be under massive pressure at the moment. Yeah, I, th I think that's, like, I think he was under massive pressure anyway, two games in when the results were going their way. But now it's it's a case of, I think, if they don't get a win this week, he'll be, you know, really serious pressure. And I, I don't like talking about this type of stuff because I don't like anyone losing their job, especially in this current climate. Um, but it, it it's football and you have to win games or, or else these types of questions will be asked of you. Now, obviously, we're not going to ask these questions or whatever, but I'm sure the Derry fans online are not happy with the with results at the minute considering the players that they've they brought in as well because you've got players like Parkhouse there who is a very, very good player. And I think 
uh, we, you'll start to see him throughout the, the course of the season, some of the stuff he can do and stuff like that. If Joe Hodge, who hasn't played a game yet, I think he's been injured as well, so that doesn't help their case. But again, I don't know how how big of a player Joe Hodge will be for them because, you know, he's coming in, six-month loan deal, you know, and if he does start to affect things, then he, he may be gone. Hopefully they can extend that if that is the case. But again, you're dependent on someone who is, Joe Hodge is 17 or, or 16 or 17 at this point in time. Yeah, he's actually someone I'm really excited to see in the League of Ireland because he is he's obviously a very young player and this is a massive test for him playing men's football for the first time um, because it's going to be a lot more serious than playing, even playing at 17 in the under-21 leagues, etc. He really impressed for the Irish under-17 side. Uh, I think it's a good... He's 18 now, OK. But it's a great, it's a great show of confidence in our league that Manchester City would actually uh, send him here on loan. Um, he is somebody that I am very hopeful. I mean, even looking at that under-17 team in Tala when fans could go to the games, he was he was a standout player. And he has the potential to be a top, top midfielder in the Premier League or wherever. So, yes, it's a big ask to come into men's football, to come into a side that's struggling in the league. But I think it's a fantastic opportunity to see how he, he gets on. I really hope he's back fit and available and playing soon. And uh, hopefully it'll stand to him. And and maybe clubs like Manchester City will then look at loaning more players out to our league. Yeah, but I just think that Derry shouldn't be dependent on a, an 18-year-old who hasn't played professional football in a, in a men's league yet. I think he will need time to adapt and come in and play. And I hope he does do well. But not to be expecting, you know, the reincarnation of Messi to come in and, and you know walk it because that probably won't be the case. He probably will need a couple of games to get his fitness, then his sharpness. I just hope he gets the time to do it. But uh, regardless, I think Derry needs to pick up results with or without him, and they need to do it fast for their own sake, for Declan Levine's sake, and for the fans' sake because they shouldn't be where they are in the league table. No, and I mean, as we're saying, there's there's no bad teams in this league. So, if confidence is low, you're not getting results. You can you can very easily get marooned at the bottom. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. But we will move on anyway to uh, Shamrock Rovers and Longford. Obviously, a two-one win, a late win for Shamrock Rovers. I was at this game again. I don't know what it is with the games that I've been choosing to go to. They just have not been classics. I know the scoreline makes out that it might have been a good game, but it really wasn't because. It started bright, uh, you know. Aaron Dobbs capitalises on Pico Lopez. He was kind of dilly dallying on the ball, gets dispossessed. Dobbs is true on goal and does the kind of clever thing I think, where he puts his body in front of Pico Lopez, and the only thing he can do is take him down um, for a penalty. Now I don't know what way the rules are at the minute in terms of if you take someone down for a penalty, is it not a red card for the last man? Or whatever, because Dara Doyle seemed to be very, very aggrieved at the end of the game that he thought that should have been a red card. But uh, in some cases, and I've, I've read before, like some cases, the punishment is already there with a the penalty. So the yellow card comes into effect. I don't know what way that rule is at the minute. But anyway, a penalty was given. Dil- Dylan Grimes scored the penalty, sent Alamanis the wrong way. Uh, but I thought, I actually was, was very impressed with Longford. It's the first time I've seen them live. 
and I was very impressed with them. Just how they handled themselves against Shamrock Rovers, who obviously dominate the ball and um, obviously have great players and stuff, but they just narrowed themselves and they made themselves really, really hard to kind of play against. Um, but as well as that, when they had chances to go on the counter-attack, they did. They probably just lacking that um, that that quality goal scorer. You know, Aaron Dobbs will work hard and run all day for them, and he's a great focal point for them, but he's probably not going to score the goals um, in a prolific sense but he might get you know maybe six seven for the season which is which again is still good and he's still a young lad and stuff like that but i just think that uh if they if they want to maybe climb up the league table they probably need someone who adds a bit more goals to the team but like i i look at them and i think these will do well this season i really thought that from watching them and just because they, they just showed no fear i was very very impressed on the other hand with chamber growers i wasn't impressed they look like they struggled to get out of second gear. As Stephen Bradley said to me after the game as well, he's like, we just didn't really seem to... I wouldn't say he said showed him respect, but it showed a game respect, I think he said, after the game. And um, they kind of stepped up in the second half, but really, like, they just didn't look like anything was going on in the in the first half. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a boring watch, if I'm being honest, in the first half. Then things opened up in the second half, and... Uh, they got the penalty then. Again, Darren Dull didn't feel like it was a penalty. It was kind of one of those. It was actually the other way around. It was Dobbs on Pico this time around. And um, Pico kind of puts his backside into him and uh, it goes down. It looked like a penalty to me. Darren Doyle feels like it wasn't. Um, so, But anyway, uh, Graham Burke scores the goal and gets Rovers, Shamrock Rovers, sorry, Sligo fans, uh, gets Shamrock Rovers back into it. And then, um, yeah, it was just kind of one of those. Longford had a couple of chances. On the counter attack as well, forced a good save from Alamanis. The one went a shot from Chambers just went over the bar onto the roof of the net. Uh, so there were some close calls. I actually thought that Longford may sneak it, and then at the end there was a lot of controversy over the free kick. And then Dylan Watts hits the wall, and the ball comes out to Sean Gannon, and he just smashes it. He aims to hit the target. It hits a Longford player and go, sends the keeper the wrong way, and. Um, you know, heartbreak for Longford really and and this and joy for Shamrock Rovers as Sean Gannon was running around running away, sorry, uh, in jubilation with the goal. So uh, you know, obviously the win, but Shamrock Rovers still for me, they, they they I watched a few of their games this season and they just look to me like they're just struggling to get out of that they they could look like they could go up in gears, but they're just not going up in gears and they need to start doing it. They need to start putting away teams. Obviously they're gonna have um you know, Richie Tell coming in mid-season there, which would be huge for them. But they seem to be lacking something. I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it, but they're lacking something at the minute. And they've brought in good players, the likes of Manjo and Chris McCann. I think he's been brilliant. I've watched him closely. I think he's a really, really good player. Just the way he play. I just really like the way Shamrock Rovers play out from the back. And when he gets on the ball, just even the way he's always on the half turn and he always makes something happen. He's always available for the ball. He's a really classy player. One thing I would like to know is obviously um, Stephen Bradley made subs at half time in the game. He made a double substitution, and he, uh, you know Gary O'Neill came on, actually played kind of a right side, centre back in the back three, and I thought he'd done really well when he came on. I think Lee Grace went off. I, I think he hasn't been a hundred percent fit anyway. Uh, I think Lee Grace is a fabulous player, by the way. But uh, O'Neill came in, doing a really good job in there, and uh, and Rory Gaffney, and he seems to be one that's. Um, kind of going a little bit under the radar 
I think you give Shamrock Rovers something else as well. I think he's a very good player. But this is the thing. When, when Shamrock Rovers are able to bring on players like, like that, um, I think it shows in the end. You know, because they, they took off uh, Ronan Finn as well, brought on Gaffney. So uh, Stephen Valley's not afraid to make big calls. But I think the in-game management was, was the difference there. And uh, maybe Shamrock Rovers are a bit more cuter than Longford. And I think that's kind of showed when you've seen Darrow Darrod Oil not very happy with decisions at the end of the game. And uh, I have to say, to Darrod Oil's credit, he stayed and he spoke to every single uh, media outlet, which I thought was really, really good. And, um, you know, he could have just walked off and been fuming because they conceded so late in the game. But I thought, look, from I thought 1 1 could have been a fair result, if I'm being honest, because both sides had good chances on goal. But Shamrock Rovers. Showing why they're champions, in my opinion, and uh, even when they're still not playing that well, they're still grinding out results. Yeah, a few th- a few things here, Paul. First of all, there's no doubt, and I fully agree with you. This is not the same Shamrock Rovers team as last season. The team that dominated the league, um, they won the league unbeaten at a canter, but they're still unbeaten. And if you look at the league table, who's sitting on the top, and you're not playing well. I mean, imagine what's going to happen when they do click and when they do start playing well. So in many ways, I think Stephen Bradley would be delighted with the, the character of his side to go and win a game like that against Longford. Looking at it before the game, you'd say, yeah, it should have been three or four nil to Shamrock Rovers. Watching the game, I, 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 I only saw the highlights, but definitely agree a draw would have been a much fairer result. But it wasn't a draw and they found a way to win. They found a way to score at the very end even against Pats in the first game of the season. They found a way to avoid defeat. They scored so late. Down in Sligo, they were a goal down, went to goal down in the last few minutes as well. They just found a way not to lose. And that is a really, really good sign of a team. Because they're not playing well. They're certainly not the team of last season. But boy, they're really, really difficult to beat. So from that perspective, I imagine Stephen Bradley is very happy. And he does... Uh, obviously have time to turn it around given that particularly they're, they're top of the table. Yeah, Dara Doyle Longford were very aggrieved with the decisions and I definitely have some sympathy for them. Uh, the, the penalty, the rule is actually a bit um, confused. A lot of people make this mistake. It's not actually last man at all. It's denying a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. And my understanding from the penalty is if it's an attempt to play the ball, then it is... And, and it ends. It was definitely a foul. Then it ends up as a yellow card. But if it's a blatant foul, just denying the goal-scoring opportunity and no attempt is made to play the ball, then it should be a red card. So I can see uh, from Darrod Doyle's perspective how he thinks it should have been a red card and, and maybe feels uh, it's a much bigger call for a referee to send off Pico Lopez of Shamrock Rovers of the champions and to give a penalty to the visitors in the first 10 minutes of the game. and But it's it's a tough one for the referee as well. Um, and he must be absolutely gutted because t- Sean Gannon's, the, the winning goal, I mean, it, it, in the 90th minute, it took a deflection. You're really... It's great for Shamrock Rovers, but it, it's gutting for Longford. But he can take a lot of heart from the performance because if you go back a week, they were beaten 4-0 at home by Drogheda. And you're kind of thinking, right, Longford, brilliant start, beat Derry, got a point at Daly Mount, and maybe, just maybe, things are starting to calm down now. 4-0 home defeat by Drogheda, and you're thinking, 
God, they're going, they could go on a run now and lose seven, eight, nine games on the bounce and get marooned at the bottom of the table. And certainly on that performance, even though they lost in Tala on Saturday, it's um, it's got to give them great heart. Massive week now for Longford. Two games against teams that they would expect to be around them at the bottom of the league. And, well, the first one is Finn Harps. And Finn Harps fans are going to probably not going to be very happy with me on this one because, I, 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 yeah, I will look at the league table and Harps are near the top. And with a bit of luck, they could have been actually top or clear at the top. But uh, Longford will be targeting uh, this game against Harps as a potential winnable game. And then Longford go down to the RSC to face Waterford. And I think we'll have a, a very good idea where Longford stand after those two games. Yeah, I think you know Ethan will be after you up in Finharps now after that. But uh, I'm only joking. I think with with Longford, I think they can take massive positives from the game that you know they took the lead in the fifth minute and you know they defended really, really well. They big they they were very narrow. They were a very low block and just sat in and really frustrated Tom McGrover as you could see. You know they were trying to play play through them and stuff like that, but there was just so many bodies that they just couldn't create that space. And eventually, obviously, um, with the corner, then they got the penalty, and then it kind of opened the game up a little bit because when it went one one, but um, they're just relentless, Shamrock Rovers. Even though I I didn't feel like they played well at all, they still grinded out the result. And I said I said to Stephen Bradley after the game, I was just like. Is that something you say to them, like, to just never give up till the final whistle? But uh, I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll let us listen to the, to the interviews after the game. I spoke with Stephen Badley and David Oz. You can hear that here. This is the IFF TV podcast. one victory, leaving it late. Uh, wouldn't be like us. Uh, you must be delighted with the win in the end. Yeah, we're delighted with the win. Delighted with the second half performance. But, uh, First half, I thought we were we were really poor, probably the, as bad as we've been in, in probably 12 months. But second half was more like us. We created uh, five or six really good chances. The keeper made two good saves, and and uh, we got the win in the end. Yeah, it looked like it didn't look like it was coming just purely to the fact that they were just sitting in. I just made it very narrow. I just yeah. it, it looked like it was our point had to break them down. Yeah, like you said, at times they had a, a back seven or eight across the edge of the box and. And that's difficult to break down. Sometimes if you get a half a yard wrong, it, it breaks down because there's so many bodies there. But I think it showed uh, the group showed tremendous uh, trust and, and belief in what we do um, to keep keep doing what we're doing. We didn't just launch it; we kept doing what we're doing, and, and we got rewards uh, in the last in the last minute or two. Yeah, is that is that something that you you kind of instill to the players just to keep going to the very end? Yeah, we we, we talk about always in the group to trust the process and and. Uh, Make sure that it doesn't frustrate you. Um, trust and believe in it, and, and this group does that till the very end. Um, and we've shown that on quite a number of occasions, and, and tonight we showed that again. Yeah, because you know, as well as that, obviously results have, have gone your way tonight. Do you think now you just seem to be focusing on yourselves? I know there's a lot of kind of drama at other clubs, but you seem to be just solely focused on what you are doing and just trying to get results that way. Yeah, that's all we talk about. We just talk about ourselves. We talk about the game in front of us, respecting it. We didn't do that in the first half tonight, but uh, second half we did. But we just focus on us. We focus on uh, getting better every day and, and trying to win every game that's in front of us, and, and we'll continue to do that. All right. Well, uh, best luck next week and enjoy your weekend. Cheers. Uh, it must be a very frustrating way to lose a game, you know, the last couple of seconds of the game, uh, 2-1 loss. But your thoughts on the game overall? Because you started really, really well. Yeah, no, we did. We, we put in a really strong performance. We came here with a game plan and the lads 
pulled it off to a tee. We caused them a number of problems. We went ahead early. We should have been playing against 10 men when the penalty was given for the remainder of the game. It was a call that didn't go our way and one of the big calls this evening that didn't go our way. Um, again, I feel their penalty was slightly a bit soft. I feel the free kick at the in the 93rd minute wasn't a free kick that was given to them. So a couple of decisions didn't go away, which obviously had a major bearing on how the game turned out. But on the performance and, and the way we played, we've come here to Tallis Stadium and made life really, really difficult for Shamrock Rovers. And I'm really disappointed I'm here talking with zero points because I feel a point at minimum is something that I should be here talking about. And that's the disappointing aspect of it. And even if you look at the last kick of the game, I think we had a ball into the box and drops and had we get a bit more power on it maybe it goes in the corner but Manus was able to go down on it but I can't ask for more from the lads they put in a really spirited strong committed performance today Yeah but like I know what you're saying there and I, I would agree with you. I did feel like you were hard done by mm. but you've had you've even had a good few chances especially Second, down yeah. this mm. hand Alan Manus made a good save then there was one that just went over the bar, the bar. Chambers yeah we had Aaron Robinson with a shot with his left peg that he pushes over the bar and another I think Shane Elwood he puts a ball in and um, Chambers is in there with a half volley that just misses the, the far top corner. So we did have ch- chances. We made it really difficult for Shamrock Rovers. I thought you defended really, really well in terms of you very, very narrow, not much for, for Shamrock Rovers to do, and really frustrated them as well. So to be honest, from, from where I was sitting as a neutral and, and then seeing it going in, I couldn't believe it. I, I would have probably said one would have been a fair result myself. Yeah, no, listen, and, and, and that's it. And that's what the disappointing thing is. But um, we've got to take positives from it. We've come here to tell it. And, put in a really strong performance and we have a big week ahead of us now with Finn Harps on Tuesday and Watford on Saturday so listen there's disappointment there this evening after not picking up anything in the game but listen you'll, you'll learn every week in this league and um, that's something that we need to be at we need, we need to pick up results now on Tuesday and Saturday and bring this performance and things that we've done today into the following games and if we do so and have performances like that we, we'll pick up points we'll cause problems Definitely. Well, Dara, I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah. You've been out here a while and it's cold and you've just lost the game. So, listen, yeah. thanks very much for yeah. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Okay, and this this game up in Oriel Park um, had all headlines throughout the whole day. Just not even anything to do with actual football matters on the pitch but it was to do with their ma- their manager or I don't know what you want to call Shane Keegan in this scenario because there's so much confusion um, the soap opera continues in my opinion I just can't get my head around it but uh, it was uh, like all the headlines over the weekend were of Shane Keegan has stepped away um, he hasn't he ha- has he or hasn't he then Jim Jilton is supposed to be stepping in to be on the sideline for the game and stuff like that. All all the media outlets, all the Twitter journalists all coming out and uh, basically saying that Shane Keegan had stepped away from Dundalk um, before the game. So there was already all eyes were on that game. Not really was said about the Shamrock Rovers Longford game. You know, all the journalists were all up at Dundalk to try and figure out what was going on there. Uh, it finished 1-1 in the actual game of football. Uh, Sam Bowen scoring for St. Pat's with a header from a corner uh, and then Junior getting a, a late goal for Dundalk to equalise as well but uh, I suppose the talking point here is obviously that managerial situation and people are saying it's Filippo's last game and stuff like that none of this has actually been 100% confirmed yet by the club but if you're to believe Twitter and you're to believe journalists that's what's doing the rounds yeah, I, 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 it seems like it is, though, Paul. I mean, 
some people I follow, like James Rogers, who does very much have his finger on the pulse and what's going on in Oriel Park. I mean, he actually said that Filippo told the players before the game that it was his last game. And I, I don't think someone like James Rogers is going to say things like that unless it's absolutely... Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying it hasn't been confirmed by the club. So we're not speculating. Okay. We're just saying what they are saying. That's all I'm saying. He is, yeah, he's usually spot on, so... Yeah, I, I, I think it, it is going to happen. I mean, and the speculation now is around the new manager. And I've seen a few different names. I've seen Jared Little being mentioned, the former Sligo and Cliftonville manager. I've seen the current Linfield manager, David Healy, being mentioned. And an even more left field one than David Healy is John Sheridan has been talked about, who was talking about pub leagues in Oriel Park not too long ago from what I can remember. That wasn't remember. confirmed, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't confirmed either, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, it is a bit of a soap opera up there. Um, but you do look at that Dundalk squad and they have an incredibly talented bunch of players. And it's still, even if you look at the league table that are down near the bottom, it's still not ridiculous to talk about Dundalk getting the right manager in and still winning the league this season. There's a long way to go. And they have got some really quality international players. I mean, they had players playing, Sonny Nasved playing for the Faroe Islands, scoring in the World Cup for the Faroe Islands. Guys playing for Latvia. Guys playing from the Central African Republic in the African qualifiers. So the potential is there if you get the right manager in for that Dundalk squad to really go on a run. And it is a 36-game season. There's a long way to go. And... uh, but they need to turn it around very, very, very quickly. Um, but from in many ways, it was a total contrast uh, of a game on, on Saturday. I mean, Pats, they definitely don't have the quality of players that Shamrock Rovers have. But boy, do they have a well-organized, well-drilled and a team. And they're, they're doing incredibly well. Everyone is playing for each other. And Stephen O'Donnell's got to be very proud of that. Uh, probably deserved to win, if if I'm being honest, from what I could see from the highlights. Dundalk equalised very late in the game, but maybe another five or ten minutes and Dundalk would have gone on to win it. It would have been an incredible win for them, but it would have been, I think, totally undeserved had they had they stolen the game, really. But um, from a Pats perspective, it's been a fantastic uh, start to the season. They've played away to Shamrock Rovers, away to Bowes, and away to Dundalk, they're still unbeaten, and uh, they're joint top of the league. And uh, I don't know, I mean, is it realistic to talk about St. Pat's at this stage being in a title challenge? I, I don't think any of their fans would have expected them at the start of the season to have done as well as they had. I think hoping to get a European spot would have probably been the summit of their ambitions, but uh, are we looking at higher than that now, Pat's fans? It would be very interesting, but certainly a fantastic start for them. And Dundalk, if I was a Dundalk fan, I'd take heart from looking at the Premier League and looking at Manchester City and looking at where they were before Christmas, as in down in mid-table and absolutely totally out of the title race. And within a few weeks, they had the Premier League virtually won. And they, they just kicked on because of the quality of the players they have. And I think if you're looking at the quality of the players Dundalk have, it's really only Shamrock Rovers that can can touch them if they get that squad uh, playing at, at the peak of their ability. And then the, the manager's job is absolutely crucial and see who they get in for that. 
Yeah, I think, look, it's not unrealistic to talk about Pats in that sense, but I think I think the fans aren't getting ahead of themselves. I think they're all kind of quite level-headed and said, we've been in this situation before, and then a couple of results went badly, and then all of a sudden the season just fell through their fingertips. So I think they're just taking it one game at a time and just seeing how it goes. I don't think they're getting carried away, which is a good way to be. So I think... Yeah, I think they're just going to take it each game at a time, as cliche as that sounds, but I think that's the way they're looking at it. As far as Dundalk, yeah, they can turn the season around. Do I think they can win the league? Probably not, because it would take Shamrock Rovers to have, like Liverpool, um, you know, big injuries to big players uh, in the next couple of weeks, and then for them to be without those players for the rest of the season, for them to really drop that many points. But... It's not unrealistic for Dundalk to go on a run. They've, they've shown that many times in the past. Uh, they would have to beat Shamrock Rovers in all the rest of the games they played them this season. Yeah, they're, they're nine points behind Shamrock Rovers at this point. And, now, they've uh, already played them, though, as well. Do you know what I mean? They've played them once, but they still have three games against them to play. I mean, it's not... It's not totally unrealistic. Now they wouldn't want to get the they wouldn't want the gap to get any higher, and uh, th- that's a concern. I mean, they, they they do need to start winning games. But I'm looking at the fixtures, and depending what way you look at it, Dundalk have got a, a few winnable games coming up. Got to like well, is is going to the Brandywell to play Derry City an easier a hard game is probably a very difficult game uh, on Tuesday night. But um, they got the likes of Longford and Waterford coming up, which they'll feel are probably very winnable as well. Uh, they have to play Drogheda in the, the Low Derby again. That's probably one they feel they should win. So uh, definitely the gap can't really get much higher than it is at the moment. But if Dundalk could reel off four, five, six wins on the bounce, and even though we talked about Rovers, and the, yeah, they're still not playing at their best and they're still top of the league, but uh, they've been grinding out results as well. So it's... It's a very long way to go. That's all I'd say. It's a 36-game season and we're only five games into it. So uh, I, I think if you're looking at a a squad of Dundalk's calibre and the ability of the squad, um, you cannot rule them out of the title race at this stage, even though they are nine points down. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that Shamrock Rovers haven't got out of second gear in a lot of games and I think they will go up in levels. And if they start going up in levels, then it's... It's their title to lose, in my opinion. But uh, Jer obviously caught up with Sam Bone after the game. There didn't seem to be too many Dundalk people available to speak at the time. But Jimmy Jilton apparently did a press conference and said that all will be revealed in due course regarding the management and stuff like that. So that's all we know in that department as of right now. But uh, Jer spoke with Sam Bone after the game. You can hear what he had to say here. This is the IFF TV podcast. Sam Bone joins us here on Irish Football Fan TV following St. Pat's draw away to Dundalk tonight. Sam, we were kind of just saying a small bit off air there. It's hard to know what to kind of make of it because you were so mm. close to victory. Mm. But then towards the end, Dundalk, we really should have probably won it. Yeah, look, I think the initial reaction is disappointment. Uh, not to see it out, uh, especially to concede so late on. Um, but look, I suppose, you know, it's a quick turnaround. We've got Waterford on Tuesday. There's there's no no time for disappointment. Uh, it's important that we focus now for that game. And look, if we if we get the win against Waterford, then Finn Harps next week, this one's forgotten about and it's it's a good start. So the overall journey was kind of a weird game. I thought the first half, first 10, 15 minutes, referee mm. let that goal was free flowing, but then the rest of the half kind of dipped. 
the second half, especially towards the end, it was just all hands to deck, which fell at 100 miles an hour. What was yeah. it kind of like yourself, kind of out there? Yeah, look, it was it was difficult. They didn't really they didn't really break us down in terms of passing or anything. Didn't really you know didn't cause a threat in that way. But you know they went direct there the last 10, 15 minutes, and it's difficult. You know when they throw a lot of bodies forwards, it can be difficult, especially with them. They're such a physical side. Um, look, it's it's you know what I mean it's. I need to look back at the game and, and you know, and we'll do that, the Gaffer in fairness, we'll do that, we'll sit down probably tomorrow, analyse it, what we can do better. And look, we're a new group, um, we'll learn from this, we'll become stronger from this and uh, I suppose this will only, only help us in the long run. Yeah, personal delightment for yourself, you got a goal, your first club, I think only your fourth in the League of Ireland Is that right? football. Yeah, I've had a quick search there through the... <laughs> Previous records and stats, so you must obviously be delighted with that. It was a good header. Yeah, per, yeah. On a personal, obviously, it's nice to get on the on the, on the score sheet. Um, it's been a long time coming. I felt like I could have. It was it uh, last week. It was against Bowles last week. I felt like I should have should have at least got my head on one of them. Completely missed the ball, but um, no, it's nice to get off the off the mark. And I keep hearing Sam's a, a threat from set pieces, and you know, I, you know, I felt like I hadn't shown them that yet. So it's nice to, to get a goal and hopefully there's more to come during, throughout the season. Is it something that Robbie worked on as his set pieces? Because it was absolutely. also his corner that led to a yeah, against balls yeah, a few I, weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think it's important that you, you practice set pieces. You see it time in, time out in the Premier League. You know, a lot of a lot of goals are scored from set pieces. So it's important that, you know, we we, we do our work. It can be boring at times. You know I mean, when you've got to stay that 10 to 15 minutes after training, but you see it tonight, it paid off. And like I said, yeah, hopefully, you know, we can uh, get a few more goals from set pieces throughout the season. I'm not sure if you've got a chance to look at the results tonight, but wins for Saiga Rovers and Shamrock Rovers or Shams, as Rowan and Cochran calls them. Shams. At least three points now tied after 11 games. It couldn't be any tighter after five games. Overall, how have you made the season so far in general? It's, yeah, it's, it's been a good start. It's been a good start, but look, it's important not to get to get carried away. Um, I actually made the point yesterday with Lee Desmond talking about it. I remember Tottenham had a really good start to the Premier League and everyone was saying, oh, they're, they're flying and on now. And that was sort of like, oh, Mourinho's going to get the sack. But um, look, it's a good start. Stephen Donaldson's going to be in that situation then? Or? No, Jesus, no, no, no. But um, no, it's a good start, but it's important not to, to get ahead of ourselves. Um, it's a long season, 36 games, isn't it? So, uh, you know, no one remembers where you are, you know, where you were the last five in the first five games, so uh, long season, and you know we'll keep plugging away and get better, and we'll see what happens. This is the IFF TV podcast. Right, the showgrounds and the last game of the weekend, the North West Derby, and uh, Sligo Rovers won Finn Harps nil. Um, Finn Harps first defeat of the season. Sligo still going strong. Johnny Kenny with his first senior goal for Sligo Rovers. And um, yeah, I suppose the goalkeeper had a shocker in that in that moment. Mark McGinley unfortunately held on to the ball too long, got nicked off him and uh, Johnny Kenny put it into an empty goal. And um, I spoke earlier in the show about Bowes gifting Finn Harps a goal. Um, Finn Harp basically gifted Sligo a goal there and never really recovered from it, it seems. And they suffered their first defeat, but look, they'll, they'll learn from it, I think, and they have a bit more experience about them this season that uh, I don't think that this defeat will affect them majorly in terms of confidence or whatever. I think they'll bounce back soon enough. I've actually been quite impressed with Finn Harp's resilience this season, but in 
a similar fashion. I've been very impressed with the way Sligo have started the season, and they look like they uh, they feel like they should be in contention for that kind of up near the top spot. You know. Well, they are. I mean, Sligo Rovers are top of the table. Yeah, They're but I mean, they feel the like it's justified. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, they, they, both clubs have made a superb start. I mean, as you said, they were both unbeaten. Unfortunately for Harps, they've just lost that unbeaten record. But as you say, I don't think it's going to be uh, taken that badly. I think Finn Harps, Ollie Horgan, the whole club, the players, the fans would have bitten your hand off for the start they've got, even allowing for that, that defeat in Sligo. So uh, I'm sure they will bounce back and it looks like Harps will not be involved in any relegation battle. I don't think they're going to be involved in the title race either, um, but it's still been a superb start for them. A great win for Sligo. Very tough on Mark McGinley, who's been a fantastic player and keeper, one of the, the standout players for Finn Harps last season and this season. But um, it's one hopefully he won't make again. But he, as you say, he was caught in possession and uh, there's, there's a really awful photograph. Well, it's a great photograph taken by the photographer, but you can see the despair and Mark McGinley is, John Joe Kenny is just rolling the ball into the empty net. And uh, yeah, it's a real signal, a signal for Harps because it did look like they were going to hang on for a, a scoreless draw, which would have been a, a, a great result for them. Um, Sligo, I mean, it's not that long ago since they did win the league, so who knows? But again, they're probably one of those teams you would have expected to be challenging for the European places as opposed to challenging for the title. But it is early days yet, and uh, well, time will tell. Well, they played Shamrock Rovers last week and didn't look um, out of place against them. You know, they obviously took the lead through for, uh, Walter Figueira, and um, then Shamrock Rovers just decided to start turning it on and just be relentless again. But I think with Sligo, obviously the signings that they've made and obviously the, the emergence of young Johnny Kenny there, they, they seem to be a really good side, like uh, Liam Buckley's done a good job in, in terms of, when you look back at this time last year, and they hadn't got a point, I think, at this stage going into lockdown, and how they've turned it around, they got European football that obviously seemed to help them get uh, players, they've brought in good players, and now you're starting to see them actually do well, and I think Sligo Rovers fans could be forgiven for getting a bit ahead of themselves. I don't think they will. Uh, it's still very early days yet, but they've definitely shown that they can mix it with, with any team in the division. Yeah, because I mean, they also drew with Dundalk as well on the opening night. As you said, they drew with Shamrock Rovers, took the lead very late in that game, but be absolutely gutted to concede such a, a late equaliser then as well. Um, but yeah, they've, they've done incredibly well. Real, real tough test for them going to, to Daly Mount on Tuesday night and uh, that'll be a, a really interesting game now but uh, who knows, I mean as I said, it's not that long ago since Sligo Rovers were champions and uh, won a couple of FAI Cups as well in recent years, so so why not? Yeah I think, um, obviously with Sligo have gone joint top now with Shamrock Rovers and I think Pats as well 11 points from 5 games so again, yeah, they're right in the mix, but they need to just continue this momentum that they're on. Finn Harps are down to fourth, but they're only one point off the top teams. So it's still a very successful start to the season, as you've mentioned. But uh, I suppose that's been it for our League of Ireland show. Uh, huge thanks to anyone who's tuned in. A huge thanks to anyone who might be a new listener and obviously a new fan of the league due to what's happened in 
the last 24 hours basically but uh yeah don't forget to like the video don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and uh, let us know your thoughts on anything we discussed in the comments and uh, check out our first division show as well which will be separate to this and we'll speak to you all soon thanks for watching the iff tv podcast presented by paul nealon like rate and subscribe <laughs>